Welcome to Box to Box Football. All right, welcome to Box to Box Football Week 4 Premier League recap. We got four, four Stu, Kyle, JJ, we're, you know, uh, we've got, we got an interesting show, I know, right, Kyle? Yeah, we do, and uh, I, I promised uh, Sean and JJ we would rip the Band-Aid off right away. Uh, and, and just get to the Arsenal Manchester United game. First of all, just make sure you follow us on Box to Box Football uh, on on Twitter, on Instagram, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You know how that that works. Uh, so let's just let's get right into it, guys. From, from the Emirates, Arsenal three, Manchester United one. Marcus Rashford gives United the lead in the 27th minute. Unfortunately for United, that lead only lasted a minute as Martin Odegaard with a sweet strike equalizes. Uh, in the 28th, and then it stayed that way until United looked like it had taken a lead through Garnaccio. VAR brings it back. He was offside by, I, I don't know, like a millimeter, maybe offside, and then yeah. Arsenal wins it in in stoppage time. Uh, Declan Rice, a deflected strike in, in the sixth minute, and then Gabriel uh, Jesus on, on the breakaway in the 11th minute of stoppage time to, to wrap it up. But, uh, guys, we'll, we'll start. We'll just get right into it. Sean, uh, your thoughts on on Manchester United Arsenal? All right, first things first. I'm gonna say this: like I, I, I thought, you know, it was a pretty good game plan. To be honest, the counterattack goal from Rashford, perfect. Obviously, the goal didn't, uh, the lead didn't stand up. But look, it's one one in the 85th minute. I think every week we could talk about refereeing decisions. Uh, Saka's, Saka's. Foul could have been a could have been a yellow could have been a red you know it's a nasty tackle, um, but beyond all that, look this the offside rule is stupid. There's no way that a game should be decided by they want to give this stuff to the attackers. If that's the case, then if he's on if any part of his body is onside, it should be onside. This is stupid. He was offside by his shoulder. He can't score with his shoulder anyway. It's a joke. But look, I'm not like doom and gloom about the game. It's it's the Emirates. It's a tough place to play. Arsenal's a very good team, and we were like this close to stealing the three points. So, um, you know, you give up the late goal. I mean, it's unfortunate. It took a took a bad deflection. They're starting to get some injuries. Uh, you know, Lindelof had to go off injured. The, you know, the injuries is what kind of got him there at the end but look i you know it's not as doom and gloom i mean we could be newcastle one and three right now so uh and and looking poor i i thought we actually played pretty well yeah jj manchester united just two wins from uh the the first four games they had you know they hadn't looked overly convincing early on uh again like sean said i thought they started well they got the lead but then gave it back within a minute um just what are your takeaways from from this game well, first off, I'm glad that you threw it to Sean first because I bet people are sick of listening to me after my solo endeavor last episode of like 35 minutes. I was joking with Stu before we went on. I, I did. I, I put together a, a pretty comprehensive script and read off of it. And all of a sudden I look at the recording. I was like, oh, my days, that's a long time. But uh, thanks for all you guys that did listen to that and now are done with it. And we'll never have to listen to a solo mission again. Um, listen, I mean. I could go with this a number of different ways. I think first off, if we're going to talk about the victorious team here for a second, Martin Odegaard is probably one of the more underappreciated players in the Premier League. I mean, the system that he plays in under Arteta brings out the best in him where he can have that gritty mentality of being a box-to-box guy. He can go out wide and drive at defenders. He, We never really saw him 
kind of in these sorts of roles in his past and then all of a sudden he comes to Arsenal and people are like well what is he going to bring to the club and I think frankly he makes Saka even better because he can draw more attention to himself and allow Saka on the other wing to go to work um Arsenal were deserving winners no issues with that whatsoever for me with United I mean yes if you're gonna have to sit in and play on the counter attack then so be it I think my personal opinion, it's a little bit still negative for a team that's trying to be consistently taking points off the top four. I think the broadcast and John Champion said this at one point last season, Manchester United on the road only took one point off the top nine teams in the standings. It, it has The game plan may have to be better. I know at, so, at sometimes you have to work with your personnel. Injuries are going to happen to every club. Um, I think that excuse is kind of out the window for clubs like Manchester United and the amount of players that they just brought in at the end of the deadline. Um, though at the same time, I would have been fine with the point at the end of the day. So it, it's a weird one to say for me. Um, the thing that people I think are, especially some pundits out there that are jumping to a little bit too extremely at the moment is that they're, they're saying like everything is in flames with Ten Hag and what has he done? What has he done? Maybe this Manchester United team under Ten Hag are just not fast starters out of the gate where we look back to last season where what they conceded eight scored one in their first two matches. I believe, yes, the performances this year, nothing special. They got lucky against Wolves to get out of there with a win and had to go down two goals inside of the first six minutes against Forrest before they got the kick in the pants to go get three. Yes, they were, you know, deserving winners at the end of it. But at the same time, I believe they have equal, if not more points than they did at this stage of the season than they did last year. So some teams don't start out of the gates hot. There are others that have started hot and we'll get to that. 32 straight unbeaten at home. I mean, they're, they're unbeaten at home. You're you're talking Arsenal. Yes. No, Manchester United. Manchester, oh, Manchester United, yeah. Two straight games on beating at home. They just got handcuffed. They had to bring in Regulon, who's a backup at Spurs. Johnny Evans. I mean, they're clearly – they have no money. They're handcuffed at this point. They can't sell. They're just it, – the, the, the whole thing is a disaster. But after the international break, they'll be all right. We'll get some players back. I, I wanted to actually jump in on, on Odegaard that JJ had brought up. One thing I, I admired about him is, remember he went to Real Madrid as a 16-year-old, and he, he probably wasn't ready for Real Madrid at that point. Uh, mm. And he had to go out on loan and, and, and kind of learn how to cut it as a professional. Uh, and then ultimately he moves to Arsenal, and here he is. He's, he's the captain uh, of that club. He scores big goals for them. Um, he's, he's a creator. He's a playmaker for them. Uh, and, and if they're going to challenge for the title – uh, he's going to have to have a, a massive year. Um, and, and Stu, I wanted to bring you in real quick on this game. How, how vital, though, was it for Arsenal to get these three points? And, and you look what Man City is doing, setting the pace early. Um, you know, and there are a couple clubs out there, Arsenal included, who, who I think it, it was just a vital three points for them to, to make sure they picked this up. Yeah, it definitely was. It's a big three points. Uh, and it was a big goal for Declan Rice. They, I think he's someone that needs to get going. Um, I thought. I actually don't think United played that poorly, as Sean kind of alluded to. I mean, if you have Maguire and Evans coming in to be your two center backs in the last uh, 20, 25 minutes of the game, that's kind of going to hurt you at, at this stage. Uh, you know, this is in 2018, 2019. This is 2023. So I think that's where United got hurt. I don't think the game plan was that bad. I thought they played pretty well. 
Um, I also don't think it's doom and gloom. I think, you know, I, I still think they're going to be fine. They need to get healthy. They need to get Hoyland, uh, you know, some reps, get him into the team. As for Arsenal, yeah, I mean, they've looked great. The only thing I would say is from a negative point for Arsenal is uh, Kai Havertz. I've seen about enough of this guy. I know it's only been a few games uh, in an Arsenal jersey, but just the, the, the couple of years at Chelsea, it's just he looks lost. I don't know if he is someone that should start for them. I think and I, they spent a lot of money. So if you're spending that kind of money on a guy, you expect him to start and be a key player. But. Uh, JJ, I don't really like what I've seen from Kai Havertz so far. No, uh, it's difficult for him, though. I want to hit on one thing that you talked about with Hoyland coming in. This would be my last point. In our group chat, Mike Samsel, he can't defend himself here, but he did put it out there, calling him the wish.com Holland. By the way, <laughs> Hoyland's an absolute unit, by the way. This is the first time we see him in live action. I mean, he took on every Arsenal defender in turn. Guys are trying to rip his jersey off and he looked like a proper center forward holding up the ball. And yes, little cameo, but if getting him a little bit more fit, yes, getting him a little bit more with the system, perhaps ball flowing through him to bring in the set, the cams to get it out wide. My days, he could be that guy. This he, is bold. He could be the guy that could potentially be that 15 to 20 goal score that this club has lacked since Robin Van Persie slash Zlatan to a small extent. He, if he was in the championship, which only one person's club in this group is in, he would score 40 goals. Let's be honest. Like, mm. I mean, he would go down and score 40 goals in the championship. But he, he's in the Premier League, so, you know, he's going to he's gonna take a little time to get, get his feet under him. And maybe he's Darwin Nunez like last year, but then Darwin Nunez is going to kick on. It's going to take a little time. I mean, the guy's going to – he's 20 years old, so he's going to – He's gonna grow into this thing. If any, he's gonna score goals just because he's in the box in this team, hundred percent. All right, let's move on to Stamford Bridge, where things are also not rosy. Uh, Nottingham Forest comes into London uh, and leaves with a one-nil win over Chelsea. Chelsea outshot Forest twenty-one to seven, but for half a billion dollars, Chelsea got two shots on target and a home loss to Nottingham Forest. Uh, things not good under Pochettino early on. Um, who who wants to take this one first? Go ahead, JJ. You're talking about a half bill, 20 shots. Guys, I don't even recall Matt Turner actually having to do any sort of work whatsoever. I think the one real save that he had to make at minute 81 was a tight angle chance that even the best of the best are not going to score from that distance. So, Let's give appreciation to that back three of Bali Warall and McKenna because they put in an absolute shift that day. Because if you're holding guys to shooting from 25, 30 yards out, putting your body on the line and making things happen, these are the points that keep you in this in this division. Because, yeah, okay, Chelsea are not the team that they were a decade ago where they're always competing top three. But still, we've really seen how this division has gone this season. There's basically those five teams that are all going to be trying to scramble to keep themselves out of the drop. Forrest, they're going to look back on this in April and thinking, man, those are huge points. And that's a great finish by Alanga as well, just calm and composed. He could be a guy that, again, he might not be the biggest name in the world, but he could be as good as 10 goal contributions a season. 
Yeah, I I want to got the assist on that. He, his streak yep. of seven straight Premier League goal games with a goal ends, but he still plays a part in the goal. He's been massive for Forrest. And yeah, you're right, JJ. You look at you look at that two wins from from four. That's that's six points, and you've already gone to Chelsea. You've gone to uh, Manchester United, and you've gone to Arsenal. So you've got three of the most difficult road games uh, out of the way already. If if you're Forrest, so I think they probably feel pretty good about themselves after four games. Chelsea on the uh, on the meanwhile on the, on this hand still. Five points from four games. Is this another season like like Chelsea had last year, or or is it maybe too soon to panic under a new manager who's trying to to mesh a bunch of different players into the right role? Yeah, it. it I mean, it definitely feels like last year. Um, again, only two teams this weekend didn't score goals, and that was Villa at Liverpool and Chelsea at home against Forest. I mean, that that kind of says it all. If nothing against Nottingham Forest, but if you're Chelsea, you, you've got to be better than that. Um, the question keeps coming for me, the striker situation, uh, when Nakunu's, whenever he's healthy, what's he going to be? Nicholas Jackson, what's he eventually going to be? He's going to have chances. That's obviously one thing that's a glaring, glaring miss for this team right now. And it, it's tough to watch that, you know, I didn't watch the full 90 minutes live, but you know, I caught up on a lot of it and I just like, it. it's just, they're just not fun. And they have big name players, guys, they spend a hundred million dollars on like these, these are guys that should be performing at a higher level and it's so early, but at the same time, it just, it looks like the same clutter, the same mess that, that it was last year. That, that's kind of what I'm worried about. And there's a lot of good teams at the top there. As much as we talk about the, you know, the, how weak it is at the bottom, there's a lot of good teams competing for that top four. And is Chelsea going to compete for the top four? I, I don't see it at this point. It, it doesn't look like it right now, especially when you, you throw in the way Brighton has played early in the season. Uh, I know Newcastle hasn't started well, but I still think there's talent there. Uh, and Aston Villa's had a, a little up and down. Uh, but again, I, I think those are all, all good teams that have a chance to be in that that secondary mix after maybe uh, the top, top three teams. Uh, Sean, it seems like to me Chelsea a lot of times just buys the sh- shiniest new object, you know, that's out there regardless of what position that player – is that and now all of a sudden you end up with like eight players who all play the same position they have four points by the way look this is the 2021 european champions right they won the club world cup uh you know the the best team in the world in theory right they won they beat manchester city the greatest team of all time in the final one nothing right i just like you know they buy lavia who came from city he got relegated with Southampton, all right, for f- crazy money. Like, they spent a lot of money on them. If he's so good, how come Southampton? I, I know there's other things that go into the mix, right? You know, they 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 bought Caicedo for crazy money. Like, I actually think their midfield, like Connor Gallagher's playing a defensive midfield sometimes. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's an attack. When he was on Crystal Palace, he's scoring goals all over the place. I know, look, their midfield is good, Enzo Fernandez. You know, I think in theory, Casado, Cole Palmer, they don't have anybody they can score. They're just not good. They're just, this team for spending a billion, 1.2, whatever they spent, a billion dollars. They spent over a billion dollars since last summer in like 12 months. And like, they're not that good. They're just not that good. I mean, Sterling can't, he's not a big guy. If, if he was any good, he'd still be at City. Broya, you know, he's all he's hurt. You know, Maduki, I don't know. And Cuckoo's hurt. I think he's gonna be pretty good, but he's coming from the Bundesliga. And these Bundesliga players, we see how they do. They're not great. 
Jackson, I think, is okay. I don't think yeah, he's bad a bad miss. Yeah, bad miss. I don't think he's a star kind of guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy who's going to be your secondary guy or a guy off the bench. Washington, they don't have anybody that can score a goal. They're they this team. You know, if you're relying on Cole Palmer to score goals from the midfield, they're not they're not going to do anything. Like they're going to struggle in games right now. And I, you know, they they have some tough games coming out of the break. And I, I just you know, I'm not sure that they're that good. I mean, I think, you know, we'll talk about maybe another team that I'm 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 a little bit down on too. Um, but I I just don't think I really like their midfield, but somebody's gotta score a goal. Someone's gotta score goals. And it's funny, Sean, that you brought up that twenty twenty one final because I just went back and looked at the starting elevens for that Chelsea team and the Chelsea team that played on the weekend. Yep. There's one player on that team that is still in the 11 and maybe you can extend it even further. And that's Tiago Silva. And it's not exactly, he's known for goals. He'll have a couple per season. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's been very good, but you know, he's look, they, they had it. It's it's just, they're just run. Like here's an example. So Cucurella is Manchester United's going to buy Cucurella. Going to get him on loan. And then on Tuesday, like, or Tuesday or Wednesday, Right before the transfer, he put they put they play him like uh, he Puccino starts him in the in the Carabao Cup, right? So now Manchester United because they don't they don't need a guy for the whole they, they want to be able to send him back at, at the end of the year, but they can't now because if he has to go if he comes to Manchester United and goes back to Chelsea, then he can't go on loan again because he can't play for three teams one season. So you're just like. But why? So like, you're, why wouldn't you just sit him out of that? Like, you, they could have won that game with anybody at left back. Like, why wouldn't you just sit him out? It's just not really run properly. They're just throwing crazy money at this, and you kind of see how that works in, in in some other sports over here. And it's just a disaster sometimes. I mean, sometimes it works. I mean, eventually, once again, you spend two billion dollars, city city finally won something. But you know, you're gonna. You're gonna get there, but this team is a disaster. Like they're a mess. They're just thrown together. The last thing that I want to say about this team is Chelsea have always been known for having this vaunted academy. Where has that academy gone? I mean, this is the club that developed Declan Rice, Rice Baby, Mason Mount, amongst others. I believe that. Where Where's the next player? Why do we, as Chelsea, why do you need to keep spending money? Especially if financial fair play is going to come in, which guess what? They're throwing all this money out there. It's going to, they're going to get hit at something at some point. Where are all these young players coming through? Start investing in these players because maybe perhaps there might still be some DNA within Chelsea that says you can have academy players come in straight to the first team and make something happen. But yeah, Kyle, this club ain't it right now. Full credit to Forrest, and you mentioned a number of other teams that are absolutely crazy right now that we could just dissect piece by piece. But yeah, it, it's it's wild. Yeah, well, Chelsea would have just let all its castoffs and sent the AC Milan uh, cook by putting him in the right place. We we might be having a different discussion right now. Anyway, anyway, mo- moving on. Liverpool three, Aston Villa nil. A big win uh, for the Reds. Dominic Schobeslai got him off to a great start in the third minute. Uh, then they got a little help, a Matty Cash on goal, and then Mohamed Salah in the second half capped it off. 
Uh, but a really good performance, I think, from Liverpool. Perhaps arguably their their best performance to date. Uh, and then Aston Villa, again, a little rocky. Stu, I'll turn it over to you. Your thoughts on this Liverpool performance and where this team is headed to the international break. Yeah, I was obviously happy with it. It was comfortable. It was smooth. It didn't really feel like at any point that they were going to let up. Uh, they got that goal, I believe, in the third minute from Soboslai. They had that lead. I mean, uh, Villa had a couple chances, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Uh, for Liverpool, no Van Dijk, no Kanate, which going into the match was for me a concern. I was a little worried about that that defense with even with those two guys is always a little shaky. But you know they they got Gomez who looked pretty good uh, aside from one play where he slipped. Uh, Matip looked good playing on that right side, kind of covering in that uh, Trent Alexander Arnold area when uh, Trent pushes up. So they looked good, um, and so was I. I think I've said it on previous episodes. He he looks great. I mean, he McAllister was probably the bigger name, but Soboslai was the better acquisition because he basically slotted right in for Jordan Henderson and looks like a player that, at least at this stage of Jordan Henderson's career, is a guy that's 10 times better, has way more pace, way more creativity. So I just like what I've seen from Liverpool. They look good. As for Villa, though, it, it just for a team that I was so high on coming into the season – they have not looked good. I know the injuries have hurt them. Mings, Quindia, uh, the, the start of the season. They started up with a back three, which turned into a back two after uh, Diego Carlos got hurt. But just, they didn't look good. They didn't have a lot of fight. They, they, they went down 2-0, and it kind of just felt like it was over at that point. I, I'm going to – Aston Villa, I think – uh look there's a lot of you know they played pretty well last year they they're in Europe you know I, I think what Aston Villa needs to do this year is maybe consolidate finish top 10 again and go for the cup go for the conference league I, I you know I don't think they're good enough to be top four uh top five top six maybe they were close last year but I, you know if I was Emery, I think, you know, you played two games against teams that you're competing with maybe for that, you know, top six, top seven, and you got smoked both times. I, I just, I think they're just a tier below some of these other teams. Um, but look, they should walk the, they could walk the conference league. They they should, you know, really, I mean, there's no excuse. They're not in the quarterfinal semifinals. I mean, they just breeze through that, that playoff tie. So, you know, take that seriously, you know, rotate a little bit on weekends, you know, you could rotate during the week, but I think, you know, once it gets to be, you know, February, March, I think you have to start taking that tournament seriously because I think you really could win it and trophies are, are, are really what it's about here. So I just, once again, I, you know, I was really disappointed in, in them. I, I just don't think they ever came to play. It was just the game was over pretty early. Yeah, I mean, what haven't we said that we can't already go further with on Villa? I think the one thing that I'm a little surprised at was, <clears throat> excuse me, um, how strong of a team they played in their first match away at Hibernians uh, a couple of weeks ago. Because you know, I'm going back and looking through that 11, I think they made just one change from the team that played a few days previously uh, against Everton. So I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I know there, and I appreciate that Unai Emery is trying to respect the competition, uh, because especially with that being an, a home and away leg, they're at Easter Road first. So you're trying to go get 
yourself at least a result and possibly you can rest some players in the second leg. But as Sean rightly said, I mean, they've played two teams that are in theory, we'll just classify as the big eight. Maybe we'll just coin that for right now, but they're def- two teams that they absolutely got pounded on and then they beat up the teams that they're expected to beat. So yeah, consistently consistency is one thing for me. I have a feeling that this team might be one of those that gets stronger as the course of the season goes on, even with that workload. Obviously this is just throwing a dart, but I wouldn't be surprised that all of a sudden back half back third of the season, they find some rhythm and maybe make a late surge and catch a couple teams by surprise. I thought, again, I thought it was a big, a big win for Liverpool because you look at what's going on around them um, in Manchester City being perfect. You want to stay in touching distance there. Uh, like, that's a game That's a game you need to win. You don't want to let that gap get too big because you know you're going to have games against City where you'll have a chance to, to make that up because Man City at 12, and then you start the right, you have four teams at 10, Tottenham, Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton at 9. But again, if you want to make this a title race, you can't let that gap get too big. Um, one of the other teams that, that we wouldn't hit on in our, in our last feature game uh, is Brighton 3, Newcastle 1. Nice bounce back from, from Brighton after uh, 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 it you know, took a first loss there. Evan Ferguson, the star of the show, with a hat trick um, to give Brighton a 3 you know, lead. Newcastle did get a little uh, a late consolation goal, but not a great start for Newcastle. Good bounce back by Brighton. Um, Sean, what was your takeaway from this game? Well, first of all, Evan Ferguson, I mean, he's he was on loan at United and they didn't they have to not to sign him because such a disaster there. But he's a huge, you know, United fan growing up. Hopefully they sign him next year and everything gets straightened out. But um I I, I think the takeaway is I, I you know, I think Brighton might be better than Newcastle. Uh I, I'm not I'm not I I I, I was tampering people were kind of going a little bit crazy something with this Newcastle title charge stuff and I I was kind of like look you know you got top four they spent some money and then they didn't spend you know I'm not I don't love their squad I I, I put it that way I I think you know their squad for 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 as big of a team as they want to be you know you can't be starting Dan Byrne um and, and games i mean he's a come on he's not a he's not a top four kind of player i uh, i i just think brighton played him off the pitch really I, I think they're a better team um and i i think come the end of the year i i think you might see brighton ahead of uh ahead of uh newcastle look newcastle's you know, after this bright start and they got the Champions League draw and they got their dream draw, they're going to be going to some some great places. And that's kind of what you want to do if you're back in the, you know, the Champions League. But look, I mean, they come out after the break. They got to play Brentford at Sheffield United, Burnley at West Ham Palace, Wolves. So they have a chance to straighten it up while they're playing in the Champions League, which is going to be interesting. But once again, I think we talked about this, you know, from, from from basically from Thanksgiving until Christmas, they play Manchester United at Everton, at Spurs, Fulham, you know, at Liverpool, at, at Manchester City, at Villa. I mean, they have some tough games. So I, I think they'll write the ship at some point. But once again, I mean, this was the problem with them last year. They don't. 
Like they never, they don't win a lot of one nil games. You know, they, they give up some goals. There's some games they lose that they should, or maybe draw that they should be winning. And until they fix that, it's, it's going to be an issue. And, you know, I think we'll talk about the Champions League later. I think that's going to be a bigger issue in the Champions League because, you know, you go away in a game you really should be winning and then you get that late point. I mean, that could end up hurting you down the road, especially in a tough group. JJ, how tough is the Amex for people to go and win? Uh, It's becoming just about near impossible right now. I mean, that club is doing a lot of things right now. While Sean was hitting on a couple of points, I was just scrolling through because I highlighted some things to – discuss for the transfer day deadline and this club continues to do amazing business i mean first off so yeah they sell caicedo to chelsea for (laughs) frankly way too much money but they got that money the only other player that they lost in terms of a a true transfer they had a bunch of young players go on loan but james furlong who spent last year at motherwell in scotland he goes on a free to hole so no issues there and what do the club do in response to that, they get Carlos Baleba from Lille, uh, a really, really talented kind of cam, but could be more, well, not cam, but maybe just your classic midfield, uh, center midfielder, maybe a little bit more box to box and play that number four position, 19 years old from Cameroon, who's already got a bit of youth national team experience and did some things last year in Ligon. And then, of course, the, the one that no one saw coming, Ansu Fati, he's basically been given an opportunity to resurrect his career um, after his you know, kind of hot and cold time with Barcelona a little bit. Um, what a chance for him, by the way, to kind of get away from the spotlight a little bit and go to a club that has great ideas, Some a club that is not afraid to attack. They used to be the XGLOL club, and now they're the team that's slapping in three and four every week and having fun doing so. Uh, I I don't see many teams going to the Amex and getting points this season. And I also see this Brighton team being ones that can not only get points on the road, but they turn one to three rather quickly. Stu, concerns about Newcastle? Definitely some. Now, the one thing I'll say, so these two sides are completely different. You have Brighton, who is just under Deserby, a humming, just perfect way. They play with a great style, great pace. The, the forwards, they all have a certain role, and they all all play that role. Newcastle, I feel like, just tries to overpower people. And if they aren't able to do that, like, they could do it against the, the bottom half teams easily. But once you're facing, like, a, a Brighton, it just, it just, it just doesn't work. Um, the only thing I'll say is for Newcastle, three losses, City, Brighton, and Liverpool. Those are probably three of the four, five, six best teams Granted, the Liverpool one, you're up a man for an hour. You should never lose that game. You're up 1-0 and you're up a man. That's inexcusable. But to lose, you look at it on paper, Liverpool, City, Brighton, those aren't the three worst losses in the world, let's just say. It's not like they lost to, you know, Wolves, Everton, and, and Lewintown. So I'll give them a little bit of a break there. But, yeah, I I, I, I was very impressed with them that, that first week of, of the season. And then the last three have just been – Pretty, pretty disastrous uh, for them. I, I do think they'll be okay, but again, with all the games they're going to be playing, they're in that group of death. It's going to be a, a, a lot. Uh, JJ, that's going to be a very interesting run for uh, Newcastle, Champions League, Carabao Cup, FA Cup, and we play uh, the next few months. Good luck to them. That's all we could say. Good luck to them. They wanted Europe. They spent all that money. Well, you got it. <laughs> 
Sometimes yeah. you don't always want to get what you ask for. I just want to run down the rest of the games this week. Uh, West Ham 2, Luton Town 1. That was uh, Luton Town's uh, debut at Kenilworth Road in the in the Premier League to revamp Kenilworth Road. Uh, West Ham, 10 points and a tie for second. Everton 2, Sheffield United 2. First goals of the season for Everton, but don't get a victory. Jordan Pickford with a great double save at the end of that game to preserve a point uh, for two teams that are probably going to be in a relevant Grayson scrap. Uh, Man City 5, Fulham 1. Yes, it was a blowout. It was 1-1 going into stoppage time in the first half when Man City scores a goal that should have been disallowed, right? The, the header comes in from Ake, and Kanji is in an offside position. He is screening the goalkeeper, Baron Leno, and then he moves to get out of the way of the ball. VAR messed this up. This should be offside because even the attempt to evade the ball is interfering with play in the goalkeeper's line of vision. I mean, even Holland came out after the game and said, yeah, that was offside. It shouldn't have counted. Now, it's easy to say that when you won the game 5-1 to one and you didn't win the game 2-1, to one, um, but that changed the game. Look, I don't know that Fulham was going to win the game anyway um, at, at the end he had, but certainly 1-1 one, one at halftime is a lot different than 2-1. VAR messed it up. VAR has been a mess this season, um, and, and Fulham has been on the wrong end of, of a couple – couple tough calls this year um that's my that's my fulham rant um so i i'll, I'll move it i'll move it along now tottenham five burnley two Ange ball is firing on all cylinders uh, tottenham 10 points again one of those four teams that's tied for second uh brentford two bournemouth two brentford got a late uh and buemo goal to to equalize there and, and grab a point uh and then crystal palace three wolves two all five of those goals in the second half Ed, edson Udward. Uh, a double for Palace. Guys, uh, any other things stand out from that? Thoughts on any of those? Yeah, I'll go with uh, two. First off, Bournemouth deserve to drop those points purely because of their jerseys that they're wearing. They were atrocious. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just Watford in disguise and not even at the good way. Sorry, I like the club. Just not a great look. But um, yeah, Ange Ball. In full effect, I mean, some of those goals, like you could basically just dub over some of the music that they played with Joga Benito in that ad campaign in the mid 2000s. And it's basically the same thing. I mean, they are playing with so much fun and flair, something that I don't think we've seen in this league in quite a long time where guys are just pulling out tricks and flicks like it's absolutely no big deal. And Sonny, I almost probe this is something where i don't blame harry kane so much harry kane leaving this club may have actually been the best thing for tottenham and for sunny because now all of a sudden youngman's son a great player in his own right he obviously got his goals and assists and a lot of the work was done with kane as well in his hold-up play but i think he's gotten this being son he's gotten better since harry kane has left and working with Ange. so you know, kudos to that. We all love a bit of Sonny. Um, you know, I'm big, big fan of the uh, the celebration, just taking it in. For those that aren't listening to this, of course, it would be me doing his uh, like camera shot celebration. Love that. So, yep, those are the ones for me. Sean? Uh, yeah, at Crystal Palace, you know, I watched some of that game. I thought that was a pretty good game. I mean, both teams, I thought, you know, went for it. And I like that Palace team when they're, when they're scoring goals and Wolves – Looked better. Um, 
you know, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, you see some of the other games. The other game I was – I was watching that Everton game for some reason. Um, I think it was the, it was the early game. So, uh, I, you know, I, I thought it was pretty – it was a pretty competitive game. I, I You know, Everton, I talked to my friend Alex Donahue's over in London, huge, huge Everton fan. I mean, it, he was just – he's been beside himself, but, you know, it's a – you had to get a point. Like you had to get something from it. You know, it's not the worst result in the world. Maybe it kickstarts the season. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, result. And uh, I, you know, West Ham, Luton town on Friday, you know, I think Luton's been, been on the wrong end of the stick on some calls here. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe they'll get some, get some luck, but they're, they're not any good. Uh, Burnley's not very good. Uh, I, I, I would be honest at this point now, I, I, I just, you know, Everton is in the mix. I think Wolves is way better than those other teams. I, you know, those three teams that came up are atrocious. I'd be stunned if they weren't the bottom four and then there's going to maybe be Everton, but, uh, you know, they're, they're really bad. I, I call that uh, Brentford Everton game competitive. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Everton Sheffield United game competitive crap. That's that's my <laughs> that's my term for when two when two bad teams play each other. But that's sometimes CBC it's soccer. Like, and sometimes it's like thrilling, exciting, like edge of your seat stuff because they're very evenly matched. So that's that's my that's my term for it. Stu, um, last word on the the other games there and what stood out uh, to you. Yeah, piggybacking off of what Sean said, Burnley, I was higher on them uh, coming into the season. I guess it's kind of just how they just kind of raced through the championship last year and, and the style they played and how they looked so much different than they did under Dyche. Um, yeah, they're they're bad. <laughs> Outscored 11-3. to three. They sit in 20th, no points. They, they're just not really competitive in a lot of these games, which is concerning. Like, Leafs-Wolves, they're competitive, right? They play Manchester United, they're competitive. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with Sean. It, I think at, at this stage, it's Everton and then the three uh, promoted teams uh, in terms of that uh, you know relegation race. Early, very, 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 very early relegation race. All right, that is a wrap on our Premier League section, which means it's now time to go around the world. All right, uh, I know JJ got a chance to talk about the the Champions League. The Champions League draw on the uh, on the on the show the other week, but so I did want to bring Sean and Stu in on this. Um, you saw it come out. We all saw what the group of death is. Newcastle uh, back in Europe, first time in uh, eleven years, and they get a group with PSG, AC Milan, and Borussia Dortmund. Look, St James Park is going to be electric for European nights with those three teams coming in, but that's uh, that is as tough a draw as Newcastle could have hoped for. Uh, obviously the group of death, um, but certainly looking forward to, to those games. Those are definitely the headline games. Um, you know, Sean, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts first on the on the Champions League. Obviously Manchester United in there with Bayern Munich. Harry Kane comes back to England. Copenhagen and Galatasaray. That looks like a manageable group for United. Yeah, you know, just, just quickly on Newcastle. Uh, you know, the way that the, sometimes the way that the groups are drawn and the way that the matches um, kind of fall – could you know it could help or hinder you you know they got to go to milan you know right after the break then they play psg at home which isn't great you know then they have the um you know at dortmund home to dortmund 
Uh, and, and, you know, match day five, they got to go to Paris. Match day six, they have Milan. So when Dortmund and Paris there have a chance maybe to, uh, you know, gentlemen's draw. I, I think, you know, but look, man, you're in the Champions League, so you can't really, you know, you're, you're pot four. You can't really complain at this point. You're in the Champions League. Um, you know, Manchester United's group, look, if they don't get out of that group, they should they should disband the team. Um, I, you know, I, I'm still not – I don't know that they're – look, they're, if they don't get six points from Cop- if six points from Copenhagen and six points from Galatasaray, it, it's a joke at this point. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not super – I don't I, – I, I'm not, con- like, convinced by Bayern at this point. Like, I don't know how good they are. So it, it, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, I think Arsenal's group is is you know they they should be all right. Sevilla, PSV, Lons, I think they'll be all right there. I thought I think PS, I think PSV is tricky. I think that's a tricky. Yeah, team. It, that it, group that could could be tricky. Uh, Lons look bad. I actually watched some of that Lons Monaco yeah. game. Yeah, they look bad against Monaco. In, and they the lost some players. Uh, Real Madrid, Napoli. I think that's an interesting group, but Napoli once again lost some players. Braga could be tough. Union Berlin, that's interesting. Inter, Benfica, Salzburg, Sociedad. That group's not that great. Uh, group E is terrible. Uh, group F is Newcastle. Group I think Celtic e, could actually get out of Group E. They could. I mean, that that group isn't great. Uh, Atlético Madrid. I mean, you know, one nil to death. Feyenoord, Feyenoord's pretty good, but, you know, once again, I think they're beatable. Lazio. Lazio, Lazio. only got in because Juventus got thrown out. Yes. You know, I, you know, City's group is, you know, it's embarrassing again. Um, you know, Barcelona, Barcelona, Porto, Shakhtar, Antwerp, you know, Barcelona. Porto. I To me, it's readily apparent which two teams are going to come out of most of the groups. Really, the only one that might be a question is PSG, Dortmund, Milan. Newcastle, I, you know, I, I I wouldn't be stunned if any of those teams came out. I wouldn't be stunned if any of those teams finished. I would, PSG probably won't finish fourth, but, you know, I, I, I could see Milan coming out. I could see Dortmund coming out. I could see Newcastle coming out. I think Milan's going to win that group with, with PSG second. I don't know. Man, that's – it could. Oh, look, they went to a semifinal last year, so Champions League semifinal. I mean, they're 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 a decent team. I mean, I, they've looked really good in, in Syria. Ah, look, it's it's only Newcastle. Three games. That's they, a massive massive game for Newcastle. The first game going to Milan. If they get if Newcastle wins that game, I think Newcastle will find a way to get out of that group. If they you know if they get beat four nil, like you know. Last year, when Liverpool went to Napoli and got stunned in that first game, you're like, "What the hell's going on?" And but you didn't realize how good the Italian league was last year. So, um, well, I, you know, I think if Newcastle could make a statement, it could be a statement game for Milan too. Stu, Champions League thoughts? Because Sean yeah, and I but- just hogged that entire segment, so <laughs> want to make sure you you get a chance here to to give your your thoughts on the Champions League. Yeah, I'm looking through it. I think they messed up. I don't see Liverpool listed. I don't know what what's going on here. But no. Thursday nights, big guy. Thursday uh, nights, big Thursday games. Can't wait. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting as as a pure neutral, not rooting for any outcome in this in this uh, tournament. Really, you know, not even taking head for for any Liverpool sake. But yeah, I mean, obviously the group of death is the the, the fascinating one. I'm kind of a Kyle. I, th- I think PSG will win the group, and I think Milan will finish second. That would be my prediction as of right now. 
Um, and yeah, like you guys said, a lot of these groups are kind of predictable. PSV is interesting. I think PSV or Sevilla, uh, in terms of group B, I think, you know, who finishes second to Arsenal, I think it is a question mark, but yeah, uh, going to be in group H, Porto, see what they can do, but Barcelona should, should run through that as well as city through G. So, um, yeah, it'll be, the, the tournament's always interesting, always interesting, but, uh, even more so this year, especially that group of death, it's even deadlier than uh, usual. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like PSV as my sleeper in group B to maybe come out alongside Arsenal. Uh, look, I know that, I know it was against Rangers in the, in the Champions League playoff, but they played Rangers off the field, particularly in that, that second leg at home. Um, I, I would be intrigued by Union Berlin, uh, except for the fact that it has to play its home games at the Olympic Stadium and not its home stadium because uh, Union Berlin Stadium is not up to UEFA standards. Uh, I, I think that that puts them at a, at a slight disadvantage. Uh, RB Salzburg has been frisky before uh, in that group with Benfica and Inter and, and Sociedad, who's, who's kind of a newcomer to the Champions League. Uh, I think Salzburg's got a chance to maybe get out of that group as well. Um, but, but other than that, I think it's, it's pretty much chalk, um, from that point on, I know JJ, anything you want to add to that or anything around the world? I know you had a chance to, to get in on that on the, the solo show. I mean, I've got other stuff to talk about the around the world. And I think also we're going to briefly touch on the Euro qualifying South yeah. America world cup qualifying as well, but yeah. Yeah, um, I think the one that actually you hit right is the Union Berlin is not going to be able to play matches at home. For those that have not watched, find a way to at least watch one of their league home matches because that atmosphere is second to none. I've seen videos, and I said this on the solo pod on Friday, is that that might be one of the most scary but exhilarating places to go that you've probably never seen before so go go check that out it's an absolute shame i know standards are one thing i think also the seating capacity may not even be big enough as well which is that rule has to be gone um in my personal opinion but um yeah uh put all that out there uh, on the last show and should be a lot of fun Carl, just and quickly too you know because Obviously, Europa League is is. I mean, the Europa League is pretty good this year. But I mean, just just for Brighton, I mean, Brighton fans and Bright, you know, you're in Europe for the first time, and you get in a group with Ajax, Marseille, who's a European champion, Ajax, who's won four, and AK Athens, which you know, we, the whole thing with with them. I mean, they got it. There's stabbing and stuff. Like, these fans are gonna see stuff that they've never seen. You're going to Ajax, hardcore supporters at those games hardcore hooligan Ajax is a great stadium it's a great town obviously Amsterdam Marseille is a great state Marseille is a great the fans so they're gonna get this chance to to get into to you, you always hope like you know West Ham got you know Olympiacos which is a great trip Freiburg and and you know it's whatever you're the champ you, you you won last year but to win, to get into this, and then get Ajax, Marseille, and, and and Athens. I mean, some of the greatest cities in Europe. It's it's fantastic to see that they're gonna what they're gonna do. I, I I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, and, and then Stu Liverpool gets uh, LASK of Austria, Union Saint Gilles of Belgium, uh, which is in Brussels. Uh, right, I think it's in Brussels, and then uh, Toulouse of France. Yeah. I, I not as thrilled. You don't seem as thrilled about yeah, that. that. No, no, no. Thing. I'm thrilled. I, I just, you know, if they somehow mess this up, that'll. I'm not gonna. USG, 
USC will be an interesting game. They score some goals. They allow some goals. Lask yeah. is obviously they they've been a European power, not power, but like you know they've gone deep into some tournaments. Hey, you know it's a good group, a good 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 cities and stuff like that. So they they'll they'll walk that group. Yeah, they should. Uh, it's also the international break, which means we have uh, games in uh, Europe and uh, South American qualifiers get underway for the uh, 2026 World Cup. Um, any, any thoughts on, on that? The South American qualifiers are always uh, a slugfest, fun, interesting watches with a lot going on. Yeah, they are. Actually, so I was scrolling through, though, before the South American are going through the Euro qualifiers for this week. Not too many massive standout matches, but on Thursday, so we'll actually be able to talk about this on our next podcast, we're going back to the scene of the crime. France hosting Ireland. Oh, For those who yes. remember, the Henri, was it a handball? Was it not a handball? It most certainly was a oh, handball on the line. That group of France, who are a perfect four from four, so 12 points, Greece, who have actually been sensational over the last couple of windows, um, sitting on six points, Ireland also on three points, and Netherlands on three points. And you have France hosting Ireland, and the Netherlands hosting Greece, a Greece team who in their last match, you know, they did their business against Ireland and they had the narrowest of losses to France where Mbappe scored from the spot, which I did watch that match and it did not look like a penalty. Did France also have like three other goals wiped out? Yes, but I'm just going to forget that one as a Greek supporter myself who is Greek. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the boys can go to the Netherlands and go get themselves a few points, see if they can uh, make a run at perhaps a second spot. But, yeah, that's kind of my pick of the bunch for the Euro qualifiers. Scott, Scotland's got four wins from four. And it's like Scotland have been group with, yeah. sensational. France yeah. still um, hasn't allowed a goal, by the way, in this in this group. Uh, nine goals scored and, and none allowed in four games. So, um, yeah, Scotland – Another massive game for them. I mean that that group is interesting. Obviously, um, you know you got Spain. On, Spain's played less games than everybody else. Norway and Scotland have played four. Spain played two, obviously because they were in the um, Nations League. So they've played less games. They they you know one loss, one win. So you know Spain's got to kind of get it going here uh, at Georgia. Always a tough place to play, but you know Scotland has a chance to go to Cyprus and win and get to 15 points from five games. I mean that it would be massive. You you just got to put points on the board at this point. You, you're putting points out here after five games. If you have 15 points, it's going to be really tough to catch you because you know there's only there's this is a group with only five teams. So you're only playing eight games. So I mean, you know, you're you're basically qualified at this point if you can win. Norway's has four four games, four points. So Scotland, if they can beat Cyprus, um, and then they play Spain, you know, get any kind of re, you know, you're probably not going to get a result there. But you know, imagine if they did. They're they're already in. They're in the Euros. It's it's done. Yeah, by the way, funny that we talk about Scotland for a sec. Um, I don't know if anybody, any of you guys looked at that their last Euros match when they hosted Georgia, where they had nearly a two-and-a-half-hour 
pitch delay because it was raining so hard that yeah. it was what um, McGregor scored inside of six minutes where he basically had to swim to the ball in the box. They stopped <laughs> the game. They thought the match was going to get postponed because apparently there's some decades old issues with the pitch at Hamden Park that it just can't hold water, which is not exactly a great thing in Scotland. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, you spoke about the Spain match in the next window. I mean, they beat him 2-0 at home with Scotty McTominay putting in a pair of goals. Yep. And it seems that he's a different player when he wears the national team jersey. So who knows? I- I'm definitely here for Scotland making some noise. Anything else around the world before we put a bow on this? Old Firm this past weekend was interesting. I don't know if anybody watched oh, that match. I did, ca- I did catch a little bit of that. Yeah, um, kind of disappointed by Rangers. I thought that their early start to the season, they would have put a little bit more priority into this match, especially at Ibrox. Um, Kyogo's goal, by the way. Oh, my days. If you guys have not have seen that, absolutely lashing one right before halftime from something like 30 yards out. And this is his sixth consecutive old firm that he scored in, which is great consistency. I didn't think Celtic were any good in the day but they were good enough to get the points which now makes things pretty interesting in the uh spfl prem where motherwell is joint level with celtic but their next couple of matches are pretty interesting because you have to go to saint Marin, who are in third away to rangers home to celtic if they can come through any of that with points god bless i would just like to see scotland like have a third team get involved in the in the title race like just to make it just to make it interesting. It would be nice, but that means someone, and you're going to have to point to Aberdeen, who are the only other club in Europe right now, as they missed out on Europa League, so they'll be in Conference League. They need to do well in that to get their ELO up and get some funds, because otherwise you're just looking at absolute two giants and a bunch of minnows. They're the last team. Aberdeen was the last team to uh, kind of go, go, you know, go at them, and uh, that's because they had the greatest manager of all time managing them. So, 1984, long time ago. Yeah, long. Hey, but they have what two European cups? That's correct. Something else that not many teams in Scotland can say. One so. more than City. Uh, by the way, Messi, Messi FC continuing its climb to try and make the MLS playoffs. Uh, went to LAFC and won three to one on the road. Messi set up a, a pair of goals, one in front of a bunch of celebrities. Selena Gomez was impressed. Um, yeah, I got Selena Gomez into into the the pot here at the end. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's about all from the uh, the the states here. Two uh, two national team friendlies coming up. I just say. Uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt. Uh, I guess Uzbekistan and Oman for the U.S. national team uh, coming up this week. So uh, perhaps perhaps if you don't know, you can go find those countries on a map. Uh, uh, but that uh, is going to gonna wrap it up uh, for our show. Once again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, it's it's Box to Box Football uh, on Twix, Twixter. Again, I'm going with Twixter. Instagram. Uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you know, ring the bell, five stars, find the prodigal Sean on Twitter and uh, yell at him about Manchester United. That's right. And uh, we will see you again on Friday.